Maiden A to Z. My name is Eric. That's right. A uh, light in the black or a fear of the dark. It's happening, right? Uh, Jonathan is here too. Right and now. we have a guest uh, very appropriate and very already hinted on. Fergal Trainer. He's back. Yeah, very happy to be here again. Um, and yeah, sure, this is my namesake song, so, so why not? Exactly. Uh, and how's life been since last time? Life has been fine, yeah. It's uh, kind of a blur of working at home and I don't know, waiting for a new Iron Maiden album. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, we were celebrating in the, in the chat earlier that we finally we get to talk about some, some of the stuff that's been out for a bit and not only all new stuff, but now that we're here and, and we've joined in this group room, of course, we're talking about Send You. So it's the 1st of September today. The album has leaked. The album has leaked indeed. Yeah. And it's so close up to the release point. So at this point, I mean, I don't even see it as a failure that it leaked it's very normal at this point because it's already no, yeah, in shelves it's, it's pretty, you know hmm. uh, just not uh, out in the open yet so uh, i'm fine with that but i'm not gonna listen i'm pretty sure that if if it was if you i mean we, we both know a guy who you know owns a record store i'm pretty sure if we get him in the right mood tomorrow we could probably get it early but um considering it's already out there but yeah we're gonna get it on friday so that should be we have a good plan yeah, it's a good plan. It's a good plan. And we have a plan for today. Way different, right? We're going yes. back. Is this now a very old song? Kind of is. This is older than one should. Yeah, it it's is. Looking yeah. at uh, becoming thirty next year. We're thirty next year. Yeah. Oh, I wanted to know where we're coming from because we've done that at the end a couple of times, but I preferred at the beginning. What have you been listening to the last couple of weeks? Uh, a lot of Iron Maiden, really. Uh, I mean, mostly Iron Maiden. Um, listening to a decent bit of Black Sabbath as well, but that's linked to me doing. A podcast series on Black Sabbath, so a lot of the Tony Martin albums I've been listening to. Uh, but oh, cool. I'd say for the most part, if you're talking about rotation things that I'm repeatedly listening to, it's Iron Maiden and Black Sabbath at the moment. It's a solid pick, nice. you know. Won't fail. What about you, Eric? Uh, it's been a lot of Maiden uh, recently. I've sort of been doing. Uh, I mean, I'm listening a lot more than than I've been actually physically spinning, but I've been physically listening to on vinyl at least uh, one album per day. And it's I've been doing one. So today I did Final yep. Frontier. Tomorrow I'm going to do Book of Souls. And then Friday I'm going to do Sinjutsu. Um, but I've listened to a lot of, uh, you know, just made in general. And also I've been listening to... Um, there's a guy, uh, there's, there's a, there was a composer, Icelandic guy called uh, Juan Johansson, who did a soundtrack for a movie called Mandy, which is one of my favorite soundtracks of all time. It's also one of my favorite movies of all time. He's one of those guys, if he hadn't died, you would hear his name in the same breath as Williams and Hans Zimmer and all those good dudes. Yeah, I think he's more mm -hmm. interesting than those. I, and it's sort of heartbreaking that a lot of people think he should have gotten an Oscar for this, that this particular 
soundtrack, but it, it wasn't shown on enough uh, screens. It wasn't. It's, it's not a particularly mainstream movie, so it didn't qualify for an Oscar run, which is sucks. But it's a great soundtrack. It's on. You can, it's on Spotify. All, All right. right. Uh, for me, it's been. Um, yeah. I've spent the last few days with my dad in our cottage or his cottage. I don't own a cottage. You know, no way. <laughs> but in his cottage, uh, he shares it with his sister. But so I've been there, and then of course we listen to his music. He's way too old. He's like a, an old dog. He can't learn to sit in any different way. But he has good taste. <laughs> in those old stuff you know it's a lot of neil young we've been playing a lot of neil young and also Beatles, uh, rolling stones because of charlie watts and uh, mm. yeah i mean all those uh, good old the good old stuff basically some swedish stuff too that he likes yeah. Eslund, we've been listening to a really good blues kind of guy like he did a live mm. album just prior to dying really and it's one of those really really cool live records it sounds like super up close and all the takes are really good like perfect takes Mostly in English, like a couple of tunes in Swedish. Uh, so, yeah, that's my rotation. I'll, ch- I'll check that yeah. out. A lot of the Gubrock lately. Yeah. Gubrock for you, Fergal, is Old is Man's it? Rock. Okay. It- old Man Rock for people who like McMahon predictions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really sorry. I'm going to run to get a bottle opener. Apologies. I'll be back in two seconds. Uh, all right. I'll get a beer as well. I'll get a beer as well. Beer break. A to Z. We are in the early 90s again. We've been there a fair bit because there's a lot of songs on Fear of the Dark. So I think this is our most covered album so far. Yeah, I was looking at that because I, I was playing um, I was playing uh, Diablo 3 earlier and I had that on the background. And I was like, oh, and I was like, so every t- every now and again, this new song pop up. So I'd see it on screen like, like have we done this? Yeah, we've done that. And it's like most of the songs, not most of them, we've done, we've done a shit ton of songs on the album yep. already. Yep. But now we're on the song of the album. And the song. I mean, as I was growing up and getting familiar with Iron Maiden, this was the song. This was mm. the main song like yeah. in my suburb. Of course, Virtual Eleven was out, but then you have to think, okay, well, Blaze years, they have they had their certain amount of uh, publicity and success. And uh, this song still had more. So this was the big yeah. thing in, in my suburb is like our maiden. And then you said fear of the dark in the same sentence every time. And people I know today in music that have never been into metal at all. They're still like, yeah, around 12. Of course I was listening to fear of the dark. Uh, so it, yeah, it was yeah, a yeah. huge song here in Sweden. Big, 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 big song. Actually, the first time I heard it was, I was actually on, this was many years ago. I was on MTV's, uh, website. This is this. I was at a public library. Wow. Uh, <laughs> looking at MTV's website in a public library. Well, I was. I was also looking. I was looking <laughs> at like. So uh, I was looking at Metallica. I was initially looking at Metallica's website and an early uh, and like an early version of I guess what would have been IMDb. Um, and then I went in there and there's like this. You know, in there they had snippets of the of you couldn't see the whole music videos and it was all in like quick times. Took fucking forever to load. But they had Fear of the Dark from uh, I guess it would have been from. Donington, maybe one uh-huh. of those ones okay. from that era, the live version, and it was, it was very, yeah, it got me very curious. I, I you know, I had to get the rest. Of the, the, you know, I, it made me very intrigued as to what this was. It was not, not quite like anything else I'd seen at that point visually. So that was I mean, a household tune, really, in Maiden. It really is like it's one of those songs I can't remember the first time anyone told me that this song existed. Uh, like it goes so far back that it's among those songs like. Uh, with a little help from my friends by the Beatles, you know, a song that it always existed to me. Hmm. I was yeah. born before this was released, but it always existed. It was always in the somewhere around me. And what about you, Fergal? This song, 
it's funny you mentioned that like you know it's the song that everybody knows my friends who don't even like metal would know fear the dark and yeah. sing along to it if it came on in let's say we were in a rock bar or something they would sing along to it the first time i ever heard it was on the best of the beast uh, i wasn't really that familiar with iron maiden um so i'd heard maybe the number of the beast and definitely heard of bring your daughter to the slaughter if not the actual mm-hmm. song but no. I, it was one of the songs that when I was working my way through that album, my first ever Iron Maiden album, that immediately jumped out at me. It was from Helsinki, the real life dead one. You. I have a phobia that someone's always there. Which isn't the greatest live album of all time, but um, yeah, it's like, how could you not like get hooked into Fear of the Dark? It's probably the catchiest, and especially with the crowd noise as well. It's one of the most mm. engrossing songs that they have. I listened to it as well uh, through Best of the Beast. First song I heard consciously with Iron Maiden, knowing it was Iron Maiden, it was played on my stereo, was Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter. So that's also a weird, weird way in, right? And then, of course, we highlighted Fear of the Dark. My favorite first yeah. favorite song was Afraid Shoot Strangers, but not the Blaze live version on uh, Best of the Beast. So, of course, I had to look up the album, Fear of the Dark. It was one of the earliest ones I got. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, as an overall album, we've been on it. It's not great. It's uh, I, th- I, think, I think you could make it great if you just lose a couple songs. It's too long. Yeah, three songs off, maybe. Something like that. Easy. easy. I was watching a guy ranking the, uh, the various albums, all the albums, and where he lost me, where like I'm not going to bother the rest of this list. Where he listed the apparition as one of his one of the good ones from that album. I'm like no, you okay, fuck <laughs> it. I don't, I, don't try, I, don't, I don't trust this guy. No one here. Can you see me? Oh, it's all yeah. through life. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, you? But you know what? That annoys me. That annoys me a lot less than I was listening to. I heard fear the fear is the key the other day. I remember your thing from a couple of, like last week. Uh, fear is the key. Oh, yeah. I can't do it. I, or maybe I said I would do it every episode. Uh, lies and lies and lies and lies oh, and lies. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's horrible. I'm not going to do it. Actually. I don't even like doing it. I, that was not nice. It's horrible. That, that whole album and the Weekend Warrior, what you going to do on Monday? <laughs> it's what like, you going to do <laughs> on Monday, son? It's like they're deliberately trying to piss people off or something. Like that. Kind of, yeah. I, th- I, think, I think they maybe. I think they kind of, I don't know. <laughs> also, Weekend Warrior is not a song. It's like, it's like way longer than it needs yeah. to be. We'll get to there eventually. We can, we'll have it, it back sh- on It should be one. zero minutes and zero seconds. That'd be the perfect length for yeah. that song. It's, it's in before yeah. this song that we're doing today, right? It's the penultimate track on Fear of the Dark is mm-hmm. Weekend Warrior. It should have been Judas My Guide. Obviously, that would have been a cool trade-off. That, um, yeah, I mean, I think Judas My Guide is, is fucking top-notch. So that's, love it, I love it. So wait a minute, this just occurred to me. We discussed this before, uh, and I'd like to, ra- rather than Google this so I can appear smart, I'm just going to recklessly... Uh, speculate in front of the people uh, mm-hmm. listening. So if you have penultimate, means the second to last. Is, is ultimate, does that just mean last? Yes. So that, yeah. okay. That's actually so, what it means. So someone like, how to, how to go in the race? I, I, I was the ultimate. Like, well, that's not good. <laughs> the ultimate like ended up in the ultimate position. Because that yeah. just means you lost. I think it's actually from, um, I'm going to be stupidly guessing stuff here, and I think it's from Japanese, the word ultimo. I think it's from that. That's cool. And I think it means final. Ultimo uh, stratego. 
<laughs> yeah, ultimo. I think it means final, and uh, I think it's just one of those words that was just bastardized in English. It's like, oh, that's ultimate, man, or you know, <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe ultimate. I mean, you use it also like ultimately. Ultimately, ultimately this yeah. happened because yeah. in Swedish we say eventuellt, which would be eventually, but that's not yeah. ultimately, right? When you say like the ultimate rock anthems, you're just like, yeah. what? Wow, is this the last ever anthems we're gonna get in <laughs> rock? Uh, the last ever we're gonna remember, maybe. <laughs> then it's the yeah. ultimate one, right? I mean, like, like, so, but I think ultimately is one of those words that, in like, give it a little bit of time and. Just like a couple of years ago, has how kids are using overusing the word epic and oh. randomly. So mm. ultimately, it could be a thing they start saying uh, literally. That's another literally, one. They could, they could oh, yeah. literally start saying ultimately. That's used now. a lot. Yeah, yeah. When people use the word literally, when they mean the exact opposite, which is funny. Yeah, um, often. Yeah. I used to work with a woman who said quite literally. She emphasized it even more, mm, and she'd be like, quite. "They were quite literally tearing their hair out. They had so much work to do." <laughs> <laughs> So this is quite literally the final track, the ultimate track on. And it is, indeed, it is quite literally. Yeah, quite <laughs> not, not, rand- not randomly, quite literally, ultimately. And, I mean, and it's an epic. Uh, yeah, to get in on that topic again, the main topic, mm-hmm. I like when the title yeah. track is last. I think that's pretty cool. Last and mm-hmm. first, I like too. So first, we're going to get on Senjutsu now, but uh, I like that because that's, mm. that's kind of it makes it bigger in a way. Okay, yeah. we're going to finish it off with what this album is ultimately about. <laughs> It's about Fear mm-hmm. of Dark, right? That word's going to be weird. That word's that going to be weird. I, I'm not going to use <laughs> it a lot. I don't like to use it a lot. But that's the thing, right? This is the last song yeah. on the album. This is the biggest song on the album by far. This has been played live every single show pretty much since its release. Every single show. The only time I can think about it, I know it hasn't, was uh, the 05 tour. Mm. For the early days tour, they didn't do it. I remember there were people complaining about it. Like, yeah, but fuck, you know, it's not enough. You know, you miss the idea if you're complaining about that. Right. So let's go yeah. back to Ireland then. Uh, this would be, I guess, 10, 15 years ago when you heard it, or more, 20? You're looking at 19 years ago now, mm-hmm. would you believe? Uh, yeah, it was 2002 when I first heard Fear of the Dark. Um, and yeah, it quickly became one of my favorite songs. It, the crowd noise made it, though. I, I, it wasn't until a lot longer, much longer, that I heard the actual um, album version. It was one of the, like, me and my friend Kevin used to buy up all the albums and, like, we wouldn't buy the same ones. We'd kind of split them between us. And uh, I think, I think actually, his brother ended up buying Fear of the Dark because he got into Iron Maiden through us. And um, neither of us even owned it. And I remember listening to it going, oh, there's some good songs on here that I don't know, but I cannot get into that studio version. It Like, it's just, it's like it should have only ever been recorded live and released live to me. It's a good point. I thought about that today. Because today, prior to the episode, I did what I do, and I listened to the studio version, of course. Yeah. And it's very rare that I listen to the studio version of Fear of the Dark. I don't own this album on vinyl. I have it on CD. It's not often played. And actually, I thought it was good. Like uh, I like the production. I think it fits the song really well. It's a great recording. But it's better live. And, uh, you know, it's yeah. on many live records, and it's done well. Like uh, on Rock in Rio, it's killer. On uh, Flight 666, they played it too, right? Yeah. Uh, back when I was um, in uh, high school, there's a guy, a really annoying guy, um, who, uh, and I argued with him because he had a thing about like, oh, he said, well, the, the, the live version is a lot better. It's a different singer then. I'm like, no, it's it's the same guy. Like, no, no, it's not. It's not the same guy in the, the studio version. And that was the, the, the very best of the beast version. That's Bruce doing it. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. 
and I knew. And then this guy was a real fucking prick. Uh, he, we were supposed to do a like a we were the, there's some kind of live gig at the school that was going to be broadcast on the, the televisions and the rest of school. So I was do a song with him, just like two guitars. It was like an instrumental version of the Unforgiven by Metallica, and uh, he didn't show up. But they they had to have something to go on, so they made me do it on my own. I only knew one, my only knew my bit of it, so it didn't sound very good. And he was he just like oh he he didn't have proper excuse. He just chickened out. So if you're listening to this, Christopher Dahlstrom from Ireland. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. <laughs> I concur. I concur. A podcast. Re- the best place yeah. to settle old scores. Also, I, mean, you know, he, I don't know. He might be, you know, I don't know. He's like, uh, he's, he's 45 episodes in and now he gets his chair. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be really, that'd be really funny. Oh, that'd, be, that'd be great. Yeah. This is episode yeah. 45. That's pretty cool. We've been doing it for cool. a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Fear of the Dark. This is big song. Uh, maybe not a huge album in hindsight. Like, uh, of course, when I got into the band, that cover, we looked at it with uh, yeah. Henrik last time or a couple of weeks back, and uh, that cover was like synonymous. It was at, at the level of Number of the Beast or Peace of Mind yeah, yeah. or Power Slave for me. It was like, this is mm. uh, like Maiden. Everyone was listening to it, but no one really listened to the whole album. It was the hits really that people mm. listen to so i mean the album itself maybe it's not a legendary album uh, certainly not a legendary album for me but i know people who would list this as their favorite album and i've spoken to them actually at concerts uh, at one time i remember it was at the iron maiden eddie rips up the world or the early days tour in 2005 mm-hmm. and i remember just walking around that day i had a, i'd had a bit to drink and i was with a few people who weren't really iron maiden fans so i was like i'm gonna ground and talk to people in the audience and um there were multiple people I bumped into who said Fear of the Dark was their favourite album, and they were shocked and appalled to learn that the band were only playing songs from their first four albums. So I was being like the bearer of bad news, going around <laughs> being like, no, it's it's the early days, yeah, they're only playing the first four. And like loads of people didn't know, but this like got to number one in the UK, um, yep. and I don't think they'd reached number one in a while, in a long time, actually. A number Maybe, of beast? So song-wise, they, really, they did with the Bring a Dog to the Slaughter. Yes, but for an album, though. Number yeah, of the I Beast was, it. was number one. I think Number of the Beast was in I think UK. I got the number four, Number of the Beast. Oh, maybe, uh, yeah. I'm not great with um, chart positions, really. I, I never look at them. I never remember them. But, but uh, yeah, it was anyway, It was very successful at the time. But for me, it's definitely not a classic. Uh, actually, I don't even own this album, would you believe, in, in any oh, format. Really? Um, I had, a, a, had it on my iPod, uh, which is now long dead. But I think I might buy it on Friday because I, I saw all the albums are reduced now in Terror Records. So um, I might buy that in Virtual Eleven and go absolutely crazy and just complete the whole set. Yeah, yeah that's nice. Why not? I mean, this was the first. This was the first al- album I, I I I bought in CD way back when because of that song. Um, but then it didn't really because the like I said it's, it's not a it's not a. I mean, the rest of the, there's 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 some really good stuff on it. But it's 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 no seventh son. It's no peace of mind. So that's why it took me about a year or so more before I really got into the band when Brave New World and stuff has started happening because that was when. Right. But it, it's a yeah. But you know, I think yeah. It must have been like for this album, yeah. the one song would be this one that has been like brought into the future. Right. They don't play any other tunes of this record anymore uh, at all. Right. Well, I mean, 2013 they did, right? They, did, they, they played did Afraid the, to Shoot Strangers. Right, right, yeah. right. But those, but those, so those are the two songs on this album, for, for all intents and purposes. For any, anyone more that, anyone's a casual fan or, or, or less, they won't know the rest. They won't know any songs on this. And that was almost as if they were saying, let's insert something that's quite obscure here to reward the fans. Yeah. I, like, I can't yeah. understand the decision behind that other than that, because it didn't even come from the same time period as that tour. It was an album later. I had a um, guess for that. It was that musically it has a similar vibe to Infinite Dreams, in a way. 
They're not very should, similar. Just, Why not just play Infinite Dreams? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I would have picked <laughs> Infinite Dreams. <laughs> and then I, I love A Fridge is Trainish. I actually I cried when they played it, but I would still have picked Infinite Dreams. About I love it, it too. You know. But what a convoluted way to appease fans of Infinite Dreams. It could also be Still Life, <laughs> that they kind of replace Still Life with another oddball track, you know, there's a similar yeah. vibe. It could be that, yeah. but ym yeah, I mean, I like that they played it anyway. It wasn't Ratchild, so... No, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Far from it. Yeah, yeah, I mean... But of course, yeah, the Fear of the Dark always played. Uh, do you always like when they play this song, uh, or do you feel like, oh, here we go again? Mm. Well, I'd say last time, this last go around, I did like it uh, for the first time in quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's one of those things. It's sort of, it's an amazing. Because that's what I was trying to do today. I was trying to like get in the headspace of, you know, not not my current headspace where a person I've seen alive a gazillion times I've heard it millions of times because that's not you know that that's not really fair to it I seem like just listen to it and try to listen to it like I would if I hadn't heard it and just like like because like right before the legacy tour I remember listening to a bunch of stuff I had listened to quite a while among other things uh, two minutes of midnight because that also is one I've heard quite a bit and you just listen to it and you you, you forget about the fact you've heard it a million times like this is a fucking amazing song mm-hmm. and that's I feel the same feel the same way about this really this is a really good song um it just you know I've heard it too much. We we were doing we were doing off doing karaoke this past weekend. A few friends of mine, and someone did uh, uh, "Smells of Teen Spirit," and I said afterwards like this is a fucking brilliant song, but it's unlistenable because it's been played too much. Right? Yeah, I, I don't get that with "Fear of the Dark." Actually, I love when it comes on during the concert, and yeah. uh, I do get it with things like "Number of the Beast" and maybe a bit of Two Minutes to Midnight" as well. And I don't know why with those. I think maybe because "Fear of the Dark" is a more audience participation sing along moment and. I, like I got that tangible feel of belonging mm. and being part mm-hmm. of something. Uh, the only problem is by the time it comes on in the set list, my voice is always shot and I can't sing. And I don't know yeah. how they get such good uh, crowd noise on these live albums because by the time that comes on, I'm always like, <laughs> you have to work on your technique then. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. For me, I have a really good live memory from this song. It's, we go back to this gig all the time because it's the first time I saw them. The second time Eric mm. saw them, but probably the most important time Eric saw them. Mm-hmm. Year 2000, Stockholm Stadium, uh, and apparently again, Henrik's fact, not mine, but it seems correct that it was the biggest headline show they had ever played to that wow. date. Uh, it sounds crazy when I hear it, but he looked, he's good at numbers and he looked it up. So it's, yeah, yeah. it's probably legit that it was this, I didn't know. Uh, I, th- mm. I thought they were always that big. It was my first time seeing them, I was 13 and we left our seated, uh, you know, we had um, seating tickets, but we left them and went down to the floor when, uh, right before Fear of the Dark, because you could those days, it was before the Roskilde accidents. It was about like two weeks before. Exactly. Really, really, really at close there. So they weren't tight with that. We just walked down and then Fear of the Dark came on and it was probably one of the biggest moments in my life, I would say. Oh, what mm. kind of capacity is that stadium? Like 34,000, I think. Yeah. Well, okay, right. So that was the biggest one. And how long after that then did they play the Olivi Stadium, which is obviously larger? That would have been, um, they played there five years later. Okay. Do you know, I was looking at something interesting recently on Spotify on the, on the PC version, and uh, Stockholm is the fourth largest city in the world for monthly Iron Maiden listeners. Oh, Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, what's the, what were the other ones? Okay, so Sao Paulo, Brazil is the first one. Santiago, Chile is the second one. And Mexico City, Mexico is the third ah, yeah. one. And the fifth is Helsinki in Finland. But yeah, Stockholm is fourth in the world. It's always been said, cool. South America, Scandinavia. That's where, yeah, you know, yeah. that's where Maiden happened. 
Okay, the the song again, Fear of the Dark, huge live song. But let's maybe go back to the song itself, uh, just the song for for what it is, you know, on the album. Mm. When I listen mm. to it now, I realized it's very well composed. Harris oh, is yeah. not always so slick. He's not always that good in going from part to part and making it like an arc. Uh, but this song is very well composed. Like it yeah, sits yeah. perfectly from from the one part to another. We have the marathon of leads that come in a while into the song where you get like one killer minor lead lead and then you're just happy with that but then you get another one and then you get a third mm. one and they all kind of come in a perfect sequence uh, it's a well-written track like it's a good composition on harry's part here absolutely and it absolutely flies along uh, you don't notice i'm not sure how long it is it's about six minutes is it or so oh, seven, something like yeah. that? Um, i think it's longer than you think it is and that's usually a good sign but it doesn't seem that long no. yeah definitely in a similar fashion to um, Hello Be Thy Name. They have a similar kind of yeah. flow and they have a very similar length too, I guess. And like when the guitar kind of riffing comes back, it's welcome. You know, it's not like, oh, they're going back to this bit again. Like you can kind of get a bit fatigued in later period songs. Mm -hmm. uh, even the even ones I really like, like the red and the black, when they when they come back to that thing, you're like, have we not heard this four times already? But when like when it comes back in Fear of the Dark, you're like, yes, yes, I want to yeah. hear this again. It's a good example, Red in the Black, because I bring that up as a not very tight composed Harry's tune, but so good. Especially if you like this band, you're, you're going to get into Red in the Black eventually. But uh, that's not very slick. It's like it's bloated, uh, which I can dig. But Fear of the Dark yeah. is not. It's not bloated. It's very effective. It's, 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 yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's Red in the Black put under the Martin Birch microscope. different to the live feel right absolutely yeah. the part that comes just after that is the part that suffers the most i think in the studio version of the song because it's just that little limply picked riff and it's <laughs> like <laughs> it, 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 it's the magic of the song is contained within that initial oh, oh mm, yep and that's why i find it hard to listen to the studio version because it's like I, they were very lucky that the crowd started singing that bit and that it caught on and that they released the live album and that now it's 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 worldwide yep. because that might not have happened let's try a live oh. version let's try Dortmund uh, from Death on That's the Road oh excellent yeah there you go yeah. it's so much better right but it's so heavy as well it's much heavier yeah. the briefing like on the point of being heavier, I think they've added a guitar that is an octave oh, lower. True, yeah. I think so, uh, but I'm not 100% sure. I'll know when I edit are, There this. are three of them now, though, yeah. But I think they added a lower guitar that plays the main hook. An octave lower. That, that makes that makes sense. So and this intro is uh, grand, right? It has this kind of mm. uh, uh, empire vibe to it. I don't know, like uh, something big is, is hitting mm. you, or it could be just the dark, the, the the brooding darkness coming over, or something. It has it has the right vibe. It has, it's like it sounds quite serious to me. 
And fans. it's it's catchy for even like for non-metal fans. I remember one mm. time years ago playing a game of poker and a friend who doesn't even like music, and me and my friend were play, were playing an Iron Maiden bootleg from the Death on or the Give Me Ed Till I'm Dead tour. And I remember he was just disinterested the whole time. And then this came on. He's like, "This is good. <laughs> this <laughs> yeah. is really good." And yeah. it was that opening bit. Like it was like yep. it just hooks in the people. Right, right. Uh, I want to play a, a song uh-huh. quite similar to this one, just. Uh, you know, as an example of what this riff could sound like. What's this? I'll tell you. It's a huge hit too. Temple of Love by Sisters of Mercy. This uh, kind of gothic. Oh, no, yeah, okay. gothic I, I, I know Sisters of Mercy, yeah. Was that released after or before? It says 92 on Spotify, so that means it's close up, right? I have to Google it. I, check if you... I suppose it's probably irrelevant because they're probably being written at around the same time anyway, so it's probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, also, that's also like when there's like a lot of times they'll. It's kind of weird how they'll be uh, like. Two like it happens. It hasn't. It's been a while. Like as far as I remember, but like you get like two volcano movies the same year. Then you also get like two <laughs> asteroid movies the same year. And people are like they stole it from one another. Yeah, or, yeah. Like or, like I think it was like 2019. Uh, I mean spoilers for the people at home who haven't seen it. Uh, the the Star Wars movie that came that year, the ending to that movie and the final bit of the that Avengers movie that came here are, are so close to one another. Right, right. That, but also, you gotta realize, they're in production at the same time. Yeah. So they, they always, it's not like someone went to the movie theater, like, we should do that. And they, yeah. So they couldn't have done that, so I don't know. But. Volcano and Dante's Peak, I remember that all right. Yeah. yeah. And then Wyatt Earp and Tombstone. Could be part of a collective conscious, maybe, that arrives at a volcano the same year. But I looked it up now, yeah. Temple of Love is from 83, so it's way before. So oh, it's fine. likely that Steve heard this. It's likely. He liked some of that kind of synthy stuff. I know he was into Vangelis, for example. So so Steel Harris strikes again. Maybe. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, I think they made something new with it anyway. I like I like some Sisters, Sisters of Mercy. They're pretty cool. It's a pretty good band. Actually, yeah. Yeah. If you're into the whole gothic uh, singing like this and being dark. You can dig that. I can dig that for some reason. I don't know. I, I don't find I, it ridiculous. I, I, I don't know why. I, no, no. No, I love it also. You know, I'm, I, was, I'm a, I was and am and always will be a huge type of negative fan. Exactly. That, yeah. I, I initially thought it was typo negative and I couldn't remember the name of the band. Yeah. So I didn't say anything. But I, I was only listening to a bit of them the other day. I think it was the anniversary of no, it wasn't the anniversary of Peter Steele's death. For some reason, I was reading about Peter Steele's death. Sorry, yeah. that's irrelevant anyway, but um, I thought that's who yeah, it was. Kind of irrelevant. <laughs> this, this, this is not a podcast. Have you met me? You don't need to apologize for saying something that's irrelevant. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, uh, I was like, oh, it's that band with the guy with the long hair and the yeah. Yeah, muscles. Mm, singing very low, black, black, <laughs> number one. Mm. <laughs> Milk, oh. white, neck. That kind of stuff, yeah. but uh, yeah. Listen, my listen, my no, call. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's, 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 that's what I was trying to do. I just couldn't get the voice correct. But maybe it has a gothic <laughs> flair, right? It could fit uh, the. It could fit the theme of Fear of the Dark to have a yeah, kind yeah, of gothic yeah, yeah. intro, does, and does, yeah. uh, it has the string quality to it. You know, you could foresee, foresee. I don't know if you could foresee. You could see. Uh, like uh, uh, <laughs> a string quartet, like that kind of thing, yeah. folky and dark. I would say the the, the vibe of the yeah. intro, and it's also they bring in this distorted intro before they hit the clean part. Not typically what Harry's would do, right? Which is fun because usually he kind of went the other way for most of the stuff that happened. Yep. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I, I gather we're getting about three of those on the coming album. My friend called that the Harry's Pyramid. You know, oh. start here, calm, 
goes up, goes down, and it's calm. Yeah, yeah. He often does that. It's quite a model, actually. Yeah, that's that's pretty yep. accurate. Yep. But this song doesn't really follow that model. It has a it has a kind of a structure of its own. I would say. Mm. Uh, could you think of any other Maiden song that has a very similar, or at least somewhat similar, structure to Fear of the Dark? The only thing I can think of is, uh, and it's a very different song, but if you, if you go like for starting out distorted and then going calm and then going back distorted, uh, coming home has that. Very different song though. <laughs> yeah. No, like, like, like yeah. I said, very different song. Yeah. yeah, it does though. It does like um, starts out full tilt with the So then it's a good point, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just picturing it in my head or listening to it in my head. It, it does do that. Yeah. I can't think of any yeah. other ones off the top of my head, but I'm not really good at that kind of quick fire discography uh, database check. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we got uh, technology for that anyway. <laughs> we need you for yeah. other things. Like, uh, let's listen to when it goes calm then. Also, I noticed now it got 200 million plays on Spotify, this song. It's quite a bit. That's quite a bit. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're doing all right. 200 million. <laughs> that's a, that's a one-tenth of a Taylor Swift song. I think it was this part that you said is quite weak when you don't oh, have I that. I find it is, yeah. Without the whoa, whoa, whoa's. So far it's only guitar, but here comes like a flute synthesizer, I think, in four measures or so. Michael Kenny earning his pay. Yep. I think now. I yeah. am a man who walks alone And when I'm walking a dark road it is a bit gothic, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, he even emphasized on yeah. the dark, you know. Dark. Can we can we can we look at those first couple of lines there for a second? Uh, lyrically, yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. So the opening line it's written by Steve Harris, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, definitely, yeah. And he says, "I am a man who walks alone," uh, which I find is interesting. Is that him talking about himself? Or does he only ever go walking alone? Because let's be honest, like most people walk with other people. They, you know, they walk in groups sometimes. Uh, are you, uh, is he talking about himself? And then he's walking a dark road as well. Like this is around the time where he was like kind of quite miserable, low. Mm. The X Factor wasn't far away. We know they started working on it in 94. Mm -hmm. um, I just wonder, is that kind of autobiographical? I, I am a man who walks alone. Uh, and he kind of is. He's always been independent. He's always been mm. fiercely kind of single-minded. Uh, so that line always jumps out at me because it's a bit weird because he's been simultaneously uh, fiercely independent yet vulnerable because he's talking about, I walk alone, but I'm afraid mm. of the dark. Uh, so I always thought that was kind of quite an interesting juxtaposition there. I was curious because if he is indeed walking alone uh, and he's, so he's alone, who is he telling this to? Because then he wouldn't be alone. And that, never mind. <laughs> to his journal? So stupid. He's writing a journal? I don't know. He went to a dumb place. That's, that's how I work. you have any other comments before I fire on with a huge rant? Uh, no, no. I mean, it, it is because, like I said, it is. I mean, it's, it's deceptively kind of like, not deceptively. It's pretty, it's, yeah, it, I don't, you know, no pun intended, a bit dark. Um, and, you know, maybe a bit of a sort of a, uh, sign of you know sort of the shape of things to come you know because you know he wasn't he was pretty miserable as as Friedel said and that you know that could be about you know, so that it's it's there it's it's in the you know it's, it's right you know it was, it was pretty it was there even it's more obvious in the X Factor but it was it's obviously you know we had it there as well yeah so but otherwise I mean there's there's so much uh, emphasis when you think about the lyrics to the song 
about the f- fear and you know and uh, and uh, and that kind of stuff and like you know scary imagery and you know walking alone in the dark maybe there's you know the the, the bit sort of the autobiographical bit and that would be the the the, the alone bit yeah. is probably very important yeah. as well so you know now we're on the lyrics i was looking forward to the lyrics the most and you kind of open mm-hmm. that kind of worms now fergal <laughs> sorry if i so, skipped ahead <laughs> no no yeah we, no, no, we no, do it uh, we have no order for the things you know we go back and all forth right. it's all right chaos we thrive in this chaos mm-hmm. but uh lyrically it's a very interesting song because uh i remember when maiden pod and the swedish guys had the, their podcast and they kind of emphasized on how naive and silly it is you know debating witches and folklore and uh kind of uh, light looking for the switch and he's almost being as descriptive as in uh, don't look through the eyes of a stranger or something like that you know he's really really descriptive on uh, uh, mm. the lights begins to change i feel a little strange uh, searching for the light and that kind of stuff but uh, i did write to maiden podden back then and i said that in my opinion the the level of naivety in the song is the beauty of it Yes. It's very vulnerable, you know. There's no, like, this is not the metal beast Steve Harris. This is super vulnerable. This is very... Most people have had this experience, uh, if not at any other time, probably in their childhood, right? Being really scared of the dark well, and and, yeah. and then connecting it to those times, the early 90s and the things going on then. It's uh, That's the beauty of the song, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I recall hearing that as well when they did it. And I didn't, I didn't have any, I didn't write in or anything, but I, you know, I thought about the, I think that, I think I'm being, you know, unnecessarily harsh towards it because I feel like the subject matter and the way it's been described is, you know, you have to reduce it. To, just like if you, you know, if you're going out, if you're out walking, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm 38 years old. Uh, I can still get that sometimes Same in here. Know, various places. And, and, you know, that, so, and we're, you know, you need, there's no need to, you know, sugarcoated with some kind of, you know, overly poetic description, because it's a very basic, you know, it's one of the uh, a very basic kind of feeling. It's something like, it's a feeling that you've had when you were, you know, you can recognize, like, you know, like one of my, when I was a kid, one of the first things I could remember being afraid of would have been that of the dark or actually i think one of the first things i remember being afraid of was clowns, but for oh, the same here, this, actually, same here. I, yeah, I, I find clowns I are fun with them. Yeah. Mm. So, but so you know, so when but so when I the same I can use the clown example because a few years ago they had this thing when, when people were dressing up as clowns and jumping out at people. Mm. Yeah, so I remember like, that. So, so, so when I was like, oh well, fuck, I don't want to deal with this because you know, like, be, so you know, so so you know, because if you're afraid of clowns, it, 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 it's it's some, sometimes be an irrational fear, like, well, maybe a clown's going to jump out. So then, Q two thousand like seventeen, where literally clowns are jumping out. Uh, so that that feeling is, you know, it, it doesn't need to be described in any super sophisticated way because it's the same feeling you had when you were, when you were a kid. So certainly, yeah. But but I wonder sometimes what's going on in the subconscious of the writer and uh, whether mm-hmm. or not he realized that was he talking about his personal life. That's especially in the opening two lines. And I mean, maybe that's re- so, yeah. that's reading a bit too deep into it. I think he was writing a song about literally being afraid of the dark. But I thought the opening line is quite strange. I am a man who walks alone. That's unnecessary in the story. Um, right. It, that's like, deploy any it's, story it's, device it's, it's, it's braggadociously independent and then he opens up his heart and puts his heart in his sleeve to you like in the next yeah. like yeah. three yeah. or four verses of the of the song i thought it was interesting because i had the same reaction when i was younger that this is kind of silly you know this is a bit corny but it's actually one of the less corny maiden lyrics if you look at it because of it being so open and so human in a way you're describing a very human phenomena like i had this mm. severely up until the age of nine and then I lost it, and now I like to kind of feel that fear because I just feel mm. older and I feel more alive. 
But up until nine, I was shit scared of the dark. So I know exactly yeah. the feeling of it, you know. And and the questions he asked, have you run your fingers down the wall? Yes. yes. Have you felt your neck skin crawl? Yes. Certainly have. When you're searching for the light, we've all done that. Yes. <laughs> you know? uh, have you quickened up your pace? Damn right, I've quickened up no, my pace. No, so many times. Oh, yeah. So many oh, yeah. times. <laughs> Walking home, you know. <laughs> but also for me, for me, I'm a, I'm a huge, um, huge horror movie fan and I'm a huge all that kind of stuff. Mm. I mean, I, I had a ball earlier today pulling and putting up my, it's, it's the first December, my Halloween decorations are up at this point. Uh, so I love that kind of stuff. So I can also take the, the, the stuff he's describing, but put it into a very sort of like, for me, a cozy kind of feeling as well, even though that's not what the, the song is. Yeah, same here. I love horror films as well, especially this time of year when you get into them um, and that kind of darkness and, uh, mm. yes, debating witches and folklore. <laughs> debating yeah, witches so and folklore. Yeah, so I think that... Uh, yeah. Uh, that's the lyrics of the song. Let's look at them a little bit more now that we're on them anyway. We've talked about mm -hmm. the first verse and then the second one too with have you run your fingers down the wall and all that. Mm -hmm. And then uh, have you ever been alone at night, thought you heard footsteps behind? Oh, well, that happened many times, right? Mm -hmm. Turn around, no one's there. Oh, yeah. You can recognize that. As you quicken up your pace, you find it hard to look again. Been there? It's so simple. It's so human. It reaches pretty much everyone on the entire planet. That's also, it doesn't need to be more complicated than that. I don't think, you know, you know, you know, uh, it's brilliantly simple. Yeah, but it doesn't. That's the, that's the, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's that's sort of my point because it doesn't need to be. I think that you know you have you could you could wrap it into you know really strained metaphors and do this whole thing, but you don't need to do that for this. It just works the way it is because it's so simple and such a basic feeling. Yeah, and then it's so basic that it could be a metaphor going with Fergal's uh, train of thought. Well, yeah, the, the beginning it's, of it's it's so probably, universal yeah. that you could apply it to any walk of life. No pun intended there with the walk, but. You know, you could apply it to most things. Like uh, you, you're coming into the dark. But you're going into the dark. You're not going into dice traits. Uh, I know, I got to quickly, just before you just, there's a ridiculous thing. I think it's called like the Walk of Life Project. And that's people who, who edit that song into the end of movies instead of the song that's there. So you get like a completely different ending. Like the, the, there's, the, there's, I'll, I'll send it to you guys later. But it's, it's, the, it's like the end, the end of the movie, The Shining, but instead it's that song. Oh, so oh, yeah. like I heard that. Uh, I saw the, the Shining um, uh, trailer, but with but with uh, Peter yeah. Gabriel, Salisbury oh, Hill. It's like a feel-good rom-com. Yeah. Yeah. Horror films recut, or Mrs. Doubtfire recut is a horror film. That's a oh, really that's good, a good one. one. Yeah. Ah, there we go. <laughs> well, there's another one, uh, one of my favorite movies. Also, weirdly, one of the things I was scared of when I was a kid, because I spent a lot of time in Florida, I was I was really scared of sharks. Right. Uh, I obviously was fine, but Jaws is one of my favorite movies, and mm. someone did a recut version of that, so it's like a weird romance between the three guys. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sounds good. With, with with Tiny Dancer in the background. <laughs> mm. oh, I, uh, yeah, with the Walk of Life, that kept me away from Dire Straits for too many years. It's not really a, so, a song I like, but I love the band. That's a real wedding song in Ireland there. That gets the 60-year-old women up dancing. Oh, wow. Mm. But I like, I like that album. Uh, what is it? Great, great uh, album. Brothers, Brothers in Arms. Brothers in Arms. Yeah. There's, there's good stuff on the album. Yeah, I don't... I have... Yeah, I have... I haven't listened to that song. I, I don't think I've actively decided. In context, when I've been bartending and sort of stuff and had to pick songs, I sometimes put that on. I have done at least. Uh, I haven't really, I can't imagine, I can't remember any time I was at home alone figuring like, you know, I'm going to fucking get my walk of life on. No, no, then you do the title <laughs> track. Amazing. Or my, my favorite song by them uh, to finish that topic, uh, The Man's Too Strong. Strong recommend. Check that song out. Right. Great song. Yeah. I'm going to write it down. I also wrote down Mandy earlier on, by the way, because I really want to yeah. watch that. That's a good movie. That's, it's really weird. but It's, it's Nicolas good. Cage, yeah? It is, yeah. Oh, mm. yeah. There we go. The Wicker Man. 
<laughs> That's a hell of a movie. Um, Put the wicker man back in the yeah. box. <laughs> 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 that was, that's right. Oh, there we go. The man in the box. Con Air is a hell of a movie too. They end the whole <laughs> thing with the the start, right? They end it again with uh, when I'm walking a dark road, I am a man who walks alone. So I think that mm-hmm. kind of em- I thought about that now. It emphasizes the point you made, Fergal. I think you're right there. It's yeah. somehow important that he walks this road alone. And yeah. Like you say, it doesn't really bring anything to the scene or, or the actual drama of the song, but it must be something from Steve. I don't know. It, to me, it's just like he's facing his fears alone. Um, it certainly seems important to him that he puts that in uh, mm. because it doesn't really add. You could, t- you could write a song about fear without putting out this kind of message to the world that you walk these roads alone as well. I don't know. Must be so anyway, many songs I, about fear, right? It must be a very common topic. I think I wrote a couple as well on my own. Oh yes, but even his own lyrics are often about fear. Or kind of, is it real? Is it a crazy dream? I mean, everybody's mm-hmm. talked about that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, literally, same album. Fear is the key. Exactly. Yeah. Quite literally. <laughs> quite literally. <laughs> quite literally. <laughs> so, quite literally, these are good lyrics. Uh, if you think about yeah, I think, them, I think, yeah, I think, if you I go think, into them, really yeah. you know, enough. And I, I felt sometimes being like, uh, my, this is my second language. And I felt sometimes when I write lyrics in English, that maybe I'm stretching too much for difficult words or, you know, taking up the old dictionary or the rhyme dictionary or something like that and for, forcing it. Bit, and yeah. I'm very impressed. And I see this a lot, for, especially from the UK area, actually. I see this a lot of super simple lyrics, but, you know, like, uh, very easy English and still mm. so much better than my complicated shit I wrote when I was 19, you know. Yeah. The, the most complex word Steve puts in there is the word phobia, uh, which is just a synonym for fear. But uh, <laughs> Irrational but yeah, fear, actually. That's irrational I, I think fear. sometimes Steve could do with a tisserus, to be honest. But um, in this situation, it works quite well. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah, he's not, he's, he's not, Bruce is a little better at that. Bruce is more he's of more a poet. Of, Steve is more of a, like, get the, get the job done. Most of our fans don't even speak English anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember from an interview, Bruce said that in some instances, I think he might have meant uh, to tame a land. He turned to Steve and said, this is not English. Yeah, I, I sent that on to you. <laughs> yeah. 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 This is not English. <laughs> he's like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Just sing it. Sing it. Goes for the rhythm. Goes for the bass. <laughs> yeah. Gotta love Steve. Because I, I, I mean, there's also like the stuff. Uh, I remember I, I, I heard Bruce and he's because he's done. He's been doing a lot of fucking podcasts lately. Yep. Or not podcasts, but Interviews. YouTube stuff. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there was something about like for the when the, when Steve came to him with the, the title track. You know, it's called just it means uh, what's it called tactics. And he was like, "You sure?" And he yeah. googled it like, "Yeah," because I mean, you know, he's like, I, "I like I like the idea." That he's like. Yeah, but you might just just the fact that it's already there that this might not be correct. Let's check. <laughs> and he said he said something like Steve decided that this meant uh, the art of war. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Steve decided another small jab there. You know? Well, I, I actually uh, uh, our um, uh, friend of a uh, friend of mine, one of my best friends, a guy uh, called Carl Uderson, who's he's uh, actually a listener nowadays, but he's also the one of my uh, I play I play uh, he plays in my in my uh, upcoming band and also he's a bartender in my place I hang out he speaks Japanese so I asked him right mm. around when they announced it like what does this mean and apparently it also because Japanese is insanely complicated I guess it, it very much depends on the context yeah because it could mean it could mean that and also could be like five other things it, it seems to be one of those languages where you can't just isolate a word and have it 
have it can't have the same context if it's in isolation so that's from my own just yeah. reading of, of people trying to interpret this word it needs to be in a sentence almost rather than just a standalone word also because it's kind of ridiculous when you get it's sort of like kind of the same thing where you have people who i mean this is not really the same thing at all now i think about it but when people say like post like a meme or something about how oh this is fine this means this in japanese like i mean it only does that if you the, the, with the comparison i was going to do there's so a friend of mine who was posting tons of like we, weird laws they have in the u.s mm. like oh and it's you only it's illegal to feed a, a goat beer and like so yeah yeah, <laughs> but, yeah but that's not no one's enforcing that so it doesn't really matter yeah, yeah, it's yeah, on yeah, the yeah. books <laughs> so it's it's funny but if you if you if you if you point out the fact that in, in the context like no one's really bothering you know they're not sure they're not that's not the problem yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that, so like a word that can mean like oh they have the same word for whatever as this and then you know then, mm. then people think it's very funny but like it's also you know it's it's contextual yeah yeah definitely yeah and when the bees and when the bees comes marching in marching in we have we have talked about uh, about the lyrics quite a bit and i really dig them i think it landed late for me that these lyrics are so brilliant and maybe no one else could do them as well that's a kind of a notion i have like who else rather than steve would write this it's too simple it's too big at the same time like no one writes like this right no he's hit miss Steve is not mm. always hit with lyrics, but when he's doing his thing full on and succeeding this well, then it's completely unique, I think. Like, uh, yeah. Do you have anything more on the lyrics, Virgo? He doesn't rely on a lot of his lyrical crutches. He uses the word just or now a lot to fill out a syllable in a song or a sentence or a line. He doesn't do any of that here. It's just concise. It's to the point. And uh, it's, it's probably some of his best lyrics, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Having finished kind of the lyrical matter of it and, uh, and looking mm. into how, how it's actually composed, like uh, I'll bring in a bit of uh, the guitar Tourette's for the intro here. You have the. <laughs> that kind of thing. And that moves around in different chords all the time. First one is ma- uh, minor, second one is major. Uh, so it has that kind of that type of tension in it. Very folk music type thing very melody led yeah. and not super rhythmical just you know da, 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 kind of thing and then they move it all the way down swell like so it, it goes kind of heavy at that point uh, maybe one of the heaviest maiden intros in some way but still also very made and it's not like a metallica heaviness or anything like that but it has mm-hmm. the brooding darkness above it it fits the title perfectly i think um, the melodic theme of the intro yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's a when you when you when you hear it like that, and also the live version, it, you can hear how how heavy it is. The studio version is a little lacking in that, uh, at least the intro, because it, it is a very heavy riff. But you know, just you doing it on your own sounds you know amazing. And it's a hard song to do live as well. It's quite orchestrated. You really need those small little flavors. I think they benefit from doing it with three guitars rather than just two. And then you need Michael Kenny in there with that little flute synth. Uh, mm. It adds to it. Mm. It's quite kind of a cheesy synth sound, but it, it really you need it to project yeah. uh, like the story of the song. And we said before, mm. it reminded us a bit of uh, Dance of Death. It's also like I'm walking alone in the Everglades, or uh, Fergal is walking mm. alone in somewhere in Ireland. Had one drink, no more. Well, that's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a. Or in Sweden, man. Lies, I think you've done lies, that in Sweden. Lies, lies, lies. <laughs> yeah, I think you've done that in Sweden too. Walked around <laughs> over the Everglades and pondered. Uh, yeah. 
I certainly had more than one drink. <laughs> more than one drink. <laughs> but, uh, like like a year like a year a year ago or so, we did uh we had some beers. It was uh Henrik was there and the guy one of the guys from the Maiden Paldun were there. We were, we were, we had a beer over at uh this area in Stockholm called Stuartskogen, which is where Maiden played uh like uh, at that point it would have been I think 10 years prior uh to the day. It was fun. It was but also so I was walking home from there walk we went there was, we were invited to after party nearby and i was got myself and i was heading i was i was on my own and it's this is the middle of a fucking field there's nothing there there's a few lights way in the distance so it was pretty dark there's the star it was a perfectly clear night so i had my little speaker and the, the two songs like during my 15 minute walk to civilization again were dance of death and fear of the dark and just dance of death in that environment when you hear you hear the fucking mm. the bugs and stuff and the, the little night noises and just you just it's it you know it's that was really that was really cool and then of course fear of the dark because you know at that point I, I was walking a dark road of my own yeah and uh, dance of death was a slow grower for me I think our episode was the ultimate final leap over into becoming a fan of the song actually because yeah. it's such a that's also very simplistic musically and lyrically so it's like on at face value it may seem like uh i don't know uh, a bit of a just a random thought you know just an idea mm-hmm. that you have um but i guess that's what makes steve different to most people he's gonna run with that he's not gonna think that this is not unique enough or this is not like absurd enough or uh even complex enough like he's just going for that simple feeling mm. and i think that must be uh, i want to hear your v- words or your thoughts on that fair but i think this must be like the main reason that this song is so big is that he went for the most simplistic the most basic like human instinct and you can even hear it in the music probably yes uh, it's 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 relatable it's something that everybody has felt the music is well structured, as we said, and catchy, and it's a nice, even though it's seven minutes, it's a nice and concise song, and it really captures uh, an emotion and a feeling, um, probably better than I think any any Iron Maiden song has captured an emotion or a feeling. It's concise and just it is what it is, and it, it it's like it tells you in the title before you even listen to it what the song is about, and then you listen to it and you're like, yes, yeah, that's exactly. That's exactly how I feel, and that's exactly how I have felt many times in my life. And then mm-hmm. when you're at the concert, if you have any of your voice left, if you have any of your voice left, you sing along with that uh, wholeheartedly. Yeah. Uh, let's hear their own words on on the song. This is from that uh, kind of uh, uh, Fear of the Dark uh, promotional interview clip. It's a couple of minutes of mm-hmm. Steve and Bruce talking about this particular song. I hate the song. Fear of the dark. So it's just a, basically, you know, if you carry in one, one night and, you know, all the lights are out and you're fiddling around for the switch and can't find it and just feeling a bit uh, sort of strange, imagining maybe something's in the corner of the room or something looking at you or whatever. I'm sure people have had that sort of feeling, whether they've been drunk or not or whatever. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just all about that sort of uh, eerie sort of stuff, really. Um, just, you know, being scared to sort of uh, walk when you're own in a dark room. Steve writes a lot of songs about... Uh, Phobias, things like that, and um, I think it's it. it uh, I don't know whether it's from personal experience uh, because he wrote he wrote that particular tune. He wrote the the, the words to that song. So um, uh, he wrote it from the point of view of a guy who's uh, uh, wandering through the park, and uh, the lights start to go down, and he starts feeling a little odd. Touch of the Jekyll and Hyde's. Um, 
And uh, whether or not it's from personal experience, again, I don't know, I can't say. Um, having never been a flasher in a park uh, or, you know, walking sex crime or, you know, axe murderer waiting to happen. Uh, there's more, more, more than a hint that it might be that this chap wandering through the park, something strange happens to him, but it's dark. So that makes me wonder, he said, I've never been a flasher in a park. And then I'm thinking about Prowler. Has Steve, in fact, been a flasher in a park at one point? <laughs> I don't think... Um, my, my, my take on that is that Bruce sounds so bloody disinterested in the whole thing. And yeah, yeah, he does not my sound... God, listen to his enthusiasm in an Iron Maiden interview Today. 29 years later. And he is the most enthusiastic and energetic person in the world. There he just sounds like well, he wants to go home. He, he's, not, he's not feeling it. And that's a thing. That's also like a thing if you listen to those... Um, live albums in that era. Mm. You, if you listen, to, if, if if that's what I heard, and I didn't know there was stuff afterwards, there's no way I'd figured this band was still around because that does not sound like a dude who wants to be there. No. And the only like, like like the version of Fear of the Dark on those are pretty good because those are maybe the songs he had a little bit more interesting because they were new. Like, or at least especially that song. Uh, but yeah, he is. He sounds complete. He, he also sounds an- annoyed with the whole. Like the the premise, the, what he's doing at that and point. And with the premise, premise. Yeah. he's even he seems like he's also he doesn't seem like he's you can you can sort of it's it's very thinly veiled. He's in fucking you know annoyed of Steve at this point. <laughs> right. Even even saying things like being a flasher or whatever, he's kind of like undermining Steve's lyrics a bit. Yeah, like, never that, been a flasher in a park. Taking yeah, a little yeah. dig at him. Yeah, definitely a dig. Yeah, he still uh, does, but he does it more. Uh, clandestine these days. Yes. <laughs> the, 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 the only time I've heard an interview where he's sort of, or, yeah, I think I read an interview where um, where he, there's been a little bit of a, um, I mean, t- t- you can sense there was tension between them in, la- in latter years. This would have been around um, Dance of Death era when the reporter in question was really prodding about the his his demos he did for the what what would become somewhere in time, and uh, the, you know that they didn't want to use, and uh, they kept sort of he kept pushing of that, and that could, so I think that did put him in a bad mood about mm. that, and you could see it. So it was I, I can't remember I can't remember where it was. It was a Swedish mm. uh, magazine. I know that so it probably was either Sweden Rock or Close Up uh, for for Swedes out there. That uh, yeah, those those are the two uh, the two big ones yeah. that were going. And I know it's, it, it seemed like a really weird thing because you could he. he, he, he he didn't write out. You could tell there were still bad feelings about that. Yeah. But imagine that, though. Like, being in a band, being a main part of the band, you get mm-hmm. none of your ideas on the album. Uh, yeah. It's tough. Apparently, it's, Tears of the Dragon was one of those songs as well. That's, mm. what, that's what I gather. But the, uh, I heard, I, who took me, it might have been you, Jonathan. But I, I, I sort of wondered, like, you know, what were the stuff that, you know, what didn't make it and what, what happened to that? And I, apparently someone said that maybe the beginning of Moonchild was that? Beginning of Moonchild, Tears of the Dragon. Yeah, I think uh, Seven Deadly Sins, Seven Ways to Win, I think that was one of them. Uh, it was all acoustic. And I don't even think it was a bad idea to, like, what do you do after Power Slave? It's a very hard album. We talked about that next week, or, yeah, next week we talk about Power Slave. And yeah, it's so much metal. Like, where can you go from there? The song modulates quite a bit, which means it switches uh, key all the time uh, in a kind of Steve Harris fashion. He's just moving about his hand really on the bass. And 
but it does it in a good way. It never, it's never jolting. It's never like, like, oh, what happened there? Uh, it has a seamless quality to it. And uh, mm. I think what I've always like loved since the start of this song, never that that would that didn't take me any time to enjoy. Was the the kind of lead marathon that happens when like trade off leads in um, mm. in the latter part of the song. So I thought we'd listen mm. to that and then comment on it a little bit. So from the main riff here. Tempo shift. melody then we get a bit of uh, soloing I think this is Janik this one yeah this is in good form Dave Murray This is one of his best, I think. And another melody. What I think is quite cool about that is that they could have gone to the Fear of the Dark thing immediately. It would still have been good. But instead they choose to land on these couple of other melodic parts before and really build into it. Which and then the solos and then you get the Fear of the Dark. What I know now thing. Which, uh, yeah, that's just... For me it feels like he's not uh, in a rush to go anywhere. He knows that he's captured the listener at this point. Yeah. You're captured, and when I'm listening to this, I still feel like that magic from this song from youth years, because it's just done well. You know, it's just uh, no. he's giving you more than you deserve in a way as a listener. <laughs> like you don't deserve all these parts. You could have done with one of them, and you would have been happy. So I think mm -hmm. that's a, a, a big point of the song musically. I think. What do you think? I think I think that I think that like uh, he's done another another you know later songs uh, he. He sort of sometimes tried to put too much in a song, mm. so there's too much, too much like fucking like like forty million different riffs, uh, or or what have you. Uh, and but in this case, it works. You know, it all it all works. I uh, it uh, I don't think there's any bit that uh, is too much. I think it I, you know it's 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 a it's seven minutes eighteen seconds, but it's a fucking really tight seven minutes eighteen seconds. It doesn't feel like that. You, you wouldn't assume it's that long a song. You think maybe four. Yeah. And the melodies kind of uh, foreshadow each other because you have that. Uh, 
that thing it has the same kind of melody as the down 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 but it featured differently so all of the song has this super cohesive vibe to it that is just you can't really study yourself to 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 get there i know that i do have the i, I love the music nerdy stuff but what i love even more is the universal stuff that you don't need any education to understand strong melodies that just you know that just work and this is one song of that ilk i mean i could dissect it and say the different mod- modal shifts and whatnot but that's not really what it's about it's yeah. about a strong melody that comes through and and like to be honest as a, as a fan of music that's what i hang my hat on is is a strong melody and a, and a hook and what yeah. i found interesting since i've started being more active on twitter is the number of amateur musicians professional musicians that i interact with and their opinions are so strong and so well developed as well but mm. it's it's a it's to do with things that i don't really consider or think about um and i think most of iron maiden's audience audience is in my yes bracket for sure um, definitely rather than the you know the semi-pro guitarist or the yeah underground uh, metal musician or whatever like so no you don't need any of that to understand this band not at all One other point I have actually as well is that Bruce Dickinson, he changes the lyrics slightly when he sings it live. <clears throat> when he sings, when the light begins to change, makes me feel a little strange or whatever. But he, he started saying around uh, Rock and Rio or, or the Brave New World Tour, when the light begins to fade, I sometimes feel mm, yeah, a little strange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Which I prefer, um, I think. I think it's cool. Yes. Right? And yeah. I wonder, is it that just because he doesn't like the, like, you know, rhyming dictionary sounding rhymes that steve harris tends to write and he's like i'm gonna i'm gonna say fade because it just sounds better there's a swedish uh term called nerdrim which basically would translate into emergency rhyme yeah yes Uh, (laughs) it's like the closest like thing you can get the kind of rhymes you just do tomato potato yeah tomato potato something like that exactly yeah or oasis are like the kings of writing uh, lyrics like that. Like everything is like shine, fine design. You know. <laughs> <laughs> shine, fine, shine design. fine design. Yeah, I'm not the biggest oasis fan. I do like the the brothers because they're obnoxious. They're fun to listen to in yeah, interviews. Yeah. But the music for me, I, I there's uh, a few songs like I kind of I tend to claim, but, which is like a bit of a dick claim, but I I do believe in it that uh, you need one pre-chorus from the song Something by the Beatles. And you can take from that the entire discography of Oasis, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> like the, you, it's like a tiny I mean, portion of what the Beatles were, like put through this '90s I don't give a fuck lens, and yeah. I don't like it. But I, I, I'm a, I appreciate lines that don't rhyme, and it's not very common. Yeah, but I know Jonathan, you've listened to Primordial before, and love them. Uh, those lyrics don't rhyme ever at all. Oh. It's just he just sings them with such confidence, and and such kind of. I don't know, a bestial kind of aggression. Yeah. You're like, well, hold on a second. I'm sorry, it doesn't need to rhyme. It's okay, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> When I hear a line that doesn't rhyme, it's like, if you say it with enough confidence, it doesn't actually matter. Correct. Like, fade and strange don't, you know, necessarily rhyme. 
uh, but they kind of have a feeling that kind of, or the kind of sounds similar enough that kind of works, I guess. But yeah, yeah, it doesn't doesn't necessarily need to be just straight up rhymes all the way. The through. rhyme thing. I, I saw this interview with Eminem about uh, freestyle rapping and uh, rhyming, and he said, "Oh uh, yeah, yeah, like everyone, here. everyone claims that you can't rhyme on orange." Yeah, he, he just pulls out three rhymes that goes well with orange, and uh, uh, now I don't three, remember. Like, the video I saw, he pulled out about twenty. Okay, he maybe it was twenty. I didn't want to over, overstate it, but okay, twenty. Yeah. Then I mean, it's just like you can make things groove and and and, and work musically. There's you don't a, have to be a, a perfect rhyme. And I had some example no. with my dad now in the cottage the other week. I don't remember which, but it was also a rhyme that was not really. It's not really working. They switched out the consonants, yeah. but it works. So it's more about confidence and delivery sometimes rather than the rules of songwriting, right? Absolutely. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a Jimmy Carr joke where he said, a friend of mine uh, once said, uh, you know, uh, asked, oh, you know uh, what rhymes with orange? And I said, no, it doesn't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it does actually, apparently. 20 rhymes according to Fergal. Yeah. But Eminem Four is good edge. at that. He's good at that, said that one. It's good at that stuff. It's actually, speaking of my father, it's the only hip hop that he can listen to. He bought an album because he liked the, the song Cleaning Up My Closet so much. So he went and bought oh, yeah. that. Well, mm. He's not wrong, like, is he? No, no, it's great. It's brilliant. I've never, I've never, I've not been a, I'm not an Eminem guy. Here's something else you can cut out. I used to be a rapper for a long time. Really? Mm. Well, that's not good. All right. the rapper. <laughs> Professor T was my name. Professor T. Oh, oh, I cool. like that. You can join in with Dr. J. Yeah, we'll we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll cook something up. Yeah, did lots of gigs and did lots of songs. You did shit. gigs as well. Mm. All right, right. So. so, obviously, the question becomes: Is this available anywhere? Uh, not really. A, <laughs> and that's by design. And I'm so fucking happy because some of the stuff we wrote, like this, when we were 18, was horrendous, and terrible. And I'm glad we never put it online. But there's a few songs here and there. I'm kind of embarrassed about them, so I'm not sure if I'm, I'm ready to share them with you. Was it Irish Irish rap? Could you tell that? Well, of course, even, even, I Ireland. mean, of course, you were doing it in Irish, but could you even tell by the uh, lyrical matters that it was like uh, straight out of Ireland? Uh, I, I think you probably could. I'll share one or two songs with you afterwards, and let you, and you can you can have a look. Anyway, sorry, go down far enough on. Um, the fucking metal feed it's like our original podcast with my friend it's called two-faced fake snakes which is us talking about our rap career <laughs> Hold on a second, put down your phone Welcome to the feckin' check-in show We might be playing Tekken in the techno drone With Shredder and Spencer but never Donatello The boys are back in town again, shenanigans from QO Man, the listener can't stop panicking Now tell your friends to listen to the sound of us pissing in the wind And if you feel like joining in, then do it for the win The sun shines, but I find myself in isolation But fear not, we've got beer at the cooking station Audio and video flows are coming for you The trainer at Jimmy show, it's Cameras action do the feckin' checkin', so check your feckin' pulses, lentil, soybeans, chickpeas, whatever indulgence takes your fancy snakes, ladders, or piss politics. Just sit back and relax, we got your weekly fix. It's the feckin' checkin' show. Welcome to the feckin' checkin' show. It's the feckin' checkin' show. Welcome to the feckin' checkin' show. It's the feckin' checkin' show. Like Steve's lyrics are very physical, but they could also have a subconscious 
I think yeah, I think you're, I've never thought about it like that, but I think you're I think you're right. Do you know what I thought was funny as well about that interview clip he played? He's just so matter of fact and to the point. He's like, yeah. "There's there's nothing else going on in my head. Only the words you hear." It's yeah. like, <laughs> you're right. He right. doesn't he doesn't want you to think that he has a deep level of consciousness. He's like, "No, nah, yeah, it's about being afraid of the dark, isn't it?" It's like, "Well, of, of course it is." Like, <laughs> <but> I mean, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> It's like you, you ever fell for a light switch? It's like yeah, yeah. Okay, can you add any content? No, it doesn't matter. Yeah, no, he doesn't. He doesn't like to, uh, I guess, over uh, instruct the the listeners in how to no. do it. He gives the most simple instructions of what he's doing. Yeah. He sounds. He sounds like an like like it's like an apartment building and something like a pipe burst and the superintendent has to come in in the middle of the night. He's the, he doesn't want to be there and he's annoyed having to explain something very obvious. Yeah. But it's it's not like you know not a pipe. It's something ridiculous. It's literally a light switch that someone yeah. can't figure out and he has to come in there and fix it. He, that's what he sounds yeah, like. It's like yeah. IT support or something. What, what's funny yeah. though is he, he writes songs about such intellectual topics, which he's clearly read some weighty books on. But when he does an interview, he like he he simplifies it to the most digestible degree. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. Is that by choice or by character? What do you think? Is it like a, a both, I think? it's it's like um it's like a contradiction like in his in his his personality that grants interviews to people in magazines and his intellectual personality who who voraciously reads all these books. <laughs> yeah. No, oh, definitely. It must be something like that. And maybe also could be just the idea of what he wants his band to be. He doesn't want made it yeah. to be complicated or like you need a ticket to get in or you need a degree to get in. He wants everybody to be involved, I think. True, yeah. But then like the subject matter that he chooses to write about, like you nearly do need a degree to understand sometimes. Like, I mean, it, yeah, it's pretty, some of the stuff they do, he ends up writing about is pretty, it's pretty highbrow shit. It's not, mm, it's not definitely, like, you know, definitely. it's not. I think he's a yeah. typical example of high and low, which I tend to dig. Uh, in any no. cultural sense, in any cultural context, I like high and low. Like you can have the references that are absolutely highbrow, and you can have the more. Uh, I never figure out a better word to say white trash. That is not saying white trash, but you can have even that, you know, that perspective in there, combined with the kind of university or opera perspective. And uh, I like mm. that, you know, high and low. You know, I think I think I think it'd probably offend less people if you said working class. Yeah, yeah probably. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> rather, than, no. rather than rather than white trash, Mister. Yeah, I'll go and go, I'll go and rewind and, and replace that. That. That, would, yeah. that was an obvious synonym. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not. Yeah, like it's not my first language, and white trash comes to mind very quickly. Uh, yeah, but yeah. that's a bad word, right? You shouldn't. Uh, you shouldn't say that. Yeah, I, I think people do take offense. Yeah, it's massively offensive. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. yeah so don't, maybe don't. Do in that. America, I'd say not not in Ireland or England because the phrase doesn't really exist. In terms of uh, live celebration of this song, there are so many, so we can't go through them all. They've played it time and time again. There's many, many recordings of this song being played live. Do you have any favorites? There, to, to me, there's one definitive, and that's Rock and Rio. Mm-hmm. I was going to say the same thing. Good choice. Probably the best. Like They have I, a tight grasp of the dynamics in that one. Like uh, I can't imagine playing on such a big stage in front of such a big crowd and still controlling the dynamics within the song so well. Because I would just be adrenaline uh, freaking out if I was playing Fear of the Dark in front of that crowd and play on 10, 
all the way through. But somehow they still keep the storytelling and, and dynamics in that version. It's uh, probably my favorite version too. It's a really good one. I, I, ga- I gather after that gig, like the, the come down afterward, just to just fucking like, you know, there was no point in you know, they None of them got any sleep that night. You know, not that they're probably doing anything, just like you know, the adrenaline from fucking playing for like, you know, a quarter of a million people. So You'd want heroin after that, like in fairness, like if yeah. there's one time yeah, to exactly. advocate heroin, it's it's after yeah. rock and reel. That's probably um, how yeah. all those guys got into it in the first place, right? Uh, no, seriously, yeah, no, yeah. it is. But uh, to me, it's like, it, it, it's the best performance of the song, but they also captured that massive crowd and it's, it's recorded very well. Very well. I don't think any version since then. There's a great one on Death on the Road, but it's not quite as good. And uh, there, there have been others like, but that that is like, it captures the crowd and it captures uh, Bruce Dickinson and the band, I think, as well, at their, probably at their peak, I'd say. Although I'd say that peak lasted from kind of 2000 to 2008, 2009. Yeah. Uh, we usually say on the pod, like, 99 until 09. That's the yeah. live, the best live sound of the band, the best Bruce. I think so. Bruce is so good in that era. Mm. And uh, what about this song? If it was disincluded in future live sets, would you be happy that it was replaced by something else? Or would you think like uh, maybe they should have stuck with Fear of the Dark and kept playing it because it's an anthem? I think we got to keep playing it. It depends what it's replacing. Uh, or sorry, what's been replaced. Um, sorry, those mean the same thing. It depends what's replacing it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Listen, my call. <laughs> Listen, my goddamn call. Uh, <laughs> It does, right? I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind if it were dropped. Like, let's say next year. So, so people have speculated they might play Alexander the Great, right? And because uh, Bruce said this again in another interview that him and Adrian were listening back to it, and Adrian was like, "Oh shit, do I have to play all these parts?" I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so I, I, I and, and when I went to see Bruce doing a spoken word tour, somebody asked him point blank, "Will you ever play Iron Maiden?" Or sorry, "Will Iron Maiden ever play Alexander the Great?" And he just said, "Yes." So I, I think they have plans to play this. So if you if you put in that and you put in um, Senjutsu, which he said they would probably play the title track, and if you put in Writing on the Wall, that that's three new songs into the Legacy of the Beast set. So you have to take out three. If they took out Fear of the Dark, that's is that in there? It's not in there, is it? Yeah, it's in there. Yeah, it's which right. other so two? I, I agree with Fear of the Dark. That uh, I guess that's where we're going. That it w- that would be okay, maybe to switch it at that point. If you take out Fear of the Dark, I wouldn't lose any sleep over it. Like it, it's a fantastic song, and I love it. But like, if that made the way for Alexander the Great or uh, Senjutsu or something like that, I'd be like, yeah, absolutely, yeah. get rid of it, get rid of it. I I I am hoping maybe sometime in the future, if they do a Senjutsu tour, that will get Sun and Steel. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I would love to hear that just for the novelty factor. It's not one of my favorite songs, but I mean, uh-huh. anything that's rare is like is, is okay in my book. Yeah, yeah something you collect. I mean, they, almost. They, they, they could also get rid of like they get rid of like uh, for the greater good of God. They could like. Fit but like, that yeah. was good though. That was strong in the set. But I agree. I agree. I it, it, it could be. I think, they, yeah. I think that. I think that's the one you know that people would be less less upset about if it disappeared because a lot of people are they want to hear the fucking first one. Right I now. would take away from Legacy would be Aces High. I, I don't need Aces High there. Uh, but, but they will never take that away. There's a bloody spitfire and all that. Yeah, exactly. Definitely not. Like it doesn't. It like songs without props are the ones that are probably going to go most likely, and also songs that are more recent. I was chatting to Nesbit about this recently, and we we settled on "Sign of the Cross" for the greater good of God, and the Wicker Man. I actually suggested because it's like a, 
it's good and everyone loves it but like it's not integral to that set like it's it's not what the it's not what 90 percent of the people are coming to see and nor is sign of the cross and nor is for the greater good of god and they don't really have any strong props either those songs i think it makes sense all those three i love and i love them in the set but i think oh, uh, me too i think you've got a good point yeah, going yeah. there actually it's a good point and uh, for me like uh, if you look at the live chapter or the the book of souls world tour they didn't play hallowed uh, because of mm, contractual mm. stuff or you know Beckett stuff, but uh, my point there is that "Hallowed" is one of my top three Iron Maiden songs, and I was kind of happy to see it gone. You know, you can feel this stuff with you can feel that minute those minutes with other stuff, which makes it interesting to me. I've heard "Hallowed" live many times. It's not rare at all. It's almost as common as the Iron most Maiden. common Maiden songs like Iron Maiden, Fear yeah. of God. And uh, they could switch things up. I've said it before. They could. Like, uh, there's no way that the. I mean, of course, Greg told us a week from now or two weeks from now that the Americans were really unhappy with uh, a matter of life and death. I paid sixty five bucks for this. Yeah, actually, I, that, that, when I was listening to it yesterday, I, was, I got flashbacks to when I was when I saw that tour, and uh, a friend of mine went with me, and I had a spare ticket, which I just very last minute, so I gave it to her, so she brought her then her then boyfriend. Uh, so he got a free ticket, didn't pay for it. It's fine. Mm. And then complained the entire time about the set list. Afterwards, when we, I'm like, yeah, yeah. I didn't get a, I, I never, never thanked you the entire time. Did, did you brief him in advance to say that they're going to play the entire album? I mean, no, I did not. But also I figured that it's not like he, he didn't, he didn't pay, except he, he just, he got a free ticket. Yes, true. Yeah, sorry. And, but actually it leads into another point was like, I remember being at that yeah. show and I remember people just standing there, their arms folded, going, hmm. And I was like, how do you not know they're playing the entire album? It's been yeah. so heavily publicized. It might as well be on posters on the fucking bus. Like, it's it's, it's yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Like, I think do you just ignore every form of media and just go in with your blinders on going, uh, I'm going to hear uh, all my favorite songs. You're like, that's not how the world works. Like. It's not how the world works. I was briefed well by my cousin, not the cousin that got me into Maiden, the six months younger, but his elder brother. When I was going to see the show at the Stockholm Stadium 2001, mm-hmm. he told me, you know, they're going to promote Brave New World, right? They're going to promote their new album. They're going to play a lot of songs from that. And that was news to me, but at least I was briefed. And mm-hmm. then, of course, I loved Brave New World, so that was not a problem. But he was the first guy that told me this, like, pre-internet kind of age, you know. And uh, someone had to mm-hmm. tell me that bands actually go on tour to promote albums. Well, some bands do. They're not just there to entertain you. Uh, not mm-hmm. only. But of course, with that set list, you know, that, that was just, that was a good set list. That was a really good set list. My favorite, actually, I think ever. Uh, the Rio. Yeah. Although, like, it was it was kind of shocking to me that we never got anything from the Matter of Life and Death tour. Uh, one, because they were playing an album in full, which they'd never done before. Two, because they had a big fucking tank coming out on stage, uh, which was kind of probably the biggest prop they'd ever used before up until that point. Um, and there was never anything released from that tour. I think I think we're going to get we're going to get that at some point. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's filmed at, at some to some degree. Fair enough, yeah. And maybe it just didn't fit into the release schedule at the time. But like you would think, it would never be more popular than when it were current. So like if they mm-hmm. release it now, it's an archival release, so it's not going to sell. Or well, what they could do. I mean, I mean, you know, like I know that um, something that Metallica is doing really cool though like the, when they when they re-release their there's there's like a massive black album box oh, yeah. set coming out yeah, yeah, next yeah. friday and there's there's tons of gigs in there and mm. so they could do something like that or like even even like um uh special pumpkins did a thing a while back where they uh they did limited they they they, they released limited vinyl runs of certain gigs so you gotta you know you gotta you know by limited i mean you know 
quite a bit, but still, you know, so they, 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 maybe they don't, they wouldn't do a print run as, as big as they did for say, you know, legacy, legacy, the, uh, sort of Knights of the Dead. But, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I know that. Yeah. But those things are very niche, I think, and for the extremely hardcore fans. Whereas yeah. I think if they had released a matter of life and death live album back in, I don't know what, 2007, that it would have done a lot better and it's surprising that they didn't because there wasn't really any other release that was blocking that at the time or in 2008 no, no. or 2009 maybe i think they might get a lot of that kind of stuff when they're not actively touring anymore yeah yeah because i know it's there oh yeah oh yeah yeah the iron maiden archive is one that needs to be excavated well, that doesn't make any sense but <laughs> yeah, yeah. but yeah, i know what I, you mean but just i'm sure they will it. as well right they're keeping it it's like coming. when they're really it's old coming. when they can't tour they'll start releasing them probably it's just surprising though there was such a long gap between matter of life and death and uh, the final frontier mm. and there was nothing really in the interim period that would have conflicted with a live album being released yet they well, i mean the only thing that they did do live album in between there though no, that was after in vivo. They right? did flight six six six. Okay, yeah, but that was basically Live of Death redone, right? So, uh, but I mean, it's slightly, it's slightly different. But maybe set, but again, you got a point there. Eric. Maybe it was that that was the reason they didn't feature well, like, live, live stuff from Amolad, uh, as we say in Swedish, Amolad. They didn't uh, they didn't feature it maybe because they knew that they were going to redo Live of Death with with flight six 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 or in like. Fairness, that's fine. But that was two thousand nine and two thousand seven. They could have done a matter yeah, of life, a la- matter of life that's and life. It kind of echoes the 80s with the summer in time. That that one was also not featured, and a lot of people wish it would have been. Mm. I know, I know that one. Um, uh, somewhere, in, if you're talking somewhere in time yeah. era, that that infamously was not Filmed. documented properly. Mm. Yeah. yeah, so which they should yeah, have. because at that time too, similar to uh, a matter of life and death, they had the time as well. It was was a while to go until Seventh Son at that point, like '87. Mm. In '87, they could have released a. Somewhere in time, the great inflatable tour mega mm-hmm. video, but I don't but know. I, I don't they even didn't. think they professionally filmed any of that because no, nothing really no, exists. Didn't. I think they maybe they tried to save money. They thought that we did live after death just now, so let's let that yeah. let that, that echo. That, 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 that's that's what it was apparently. But I'm pretty sure everything. You know, I mean, I know there's stuff like a few like a year or so ago. Um, Around the time the download, oh, I'm going to call it Donington because download sounds ridiculous. Uh, the Donington Festival would have happened. They did like a special where they showed a bunch of you know live clips from oh, yeah. um, uh, previous. So they did. A, there was quite a bit of Maiden there, and so there was there were several th- ones from the Matter of Life and Death tour. That, that well, I know, well, I'm sure film. they broadcast that one of those shows. I remember watching awesome it. Awesome version of uh, Benjamin Brig on that one. Mm. It was it was called a matter of the beast at the time. It was two thousand and seven. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they did half half of number of the beast, half of matter of life and death, and then five other classics. Swedish radio did um, a recording of the uh, a matter of life and death tour as well. I don't know if they included the whole set, but uh, there's quite a bit of it up on YouTube in, with good recording, you know, soundboard style recording. Mm. And tons of good songs there. I just recently did in uh, Made Me to Z Friends of the Beast on Facebook. I did my um, best the best pole, deep yeah. cuts of the 2000s tournament uh, with uh, 20 selected oh, yeah, I, songs. I was playing along with that. Yeah, that was yeah, good. 20 selected songs. Uh, the winner, I guess, if, if you're in the group, you know, but the winner was The Thin Line Between Love and Hate. And then we had... Uh, I, that's my favorite, totally one of my favorite songs. Yeah, I think that was a very just winner, actually. We could, we could address Absolutely that. Absolutely love it. Did, uh, did you have Face in the Sand in there or did I just miss out on no, it? I missed it. I missed it. I I think it should have been in there so that was yeah. a, a mistake on my part i think dream of mirrors I mean, what, is kind of less sub 
or you know less mm-hmm. uh, less what's the word again uh, less deep niche. it's less deep, less uh, deep. but face in the sand definitely deep and i don't think it would have made it to the top three but it should have been in there oh. one of my favorite deep cuts as well we recently did an episode on it and i think both eric and Charlotta really big into it and i quite like it too can I ask you a question now? Like, so now we're on Fear of the Dark, but like, there's songs on this album, like the Senjo Two, called "Death of the Celt" and stuff. How are you going to fit those in, uh, Eric? You might want to say that because I've said it so many times. Uh, so I think the idea is what we're going to do is um, we got we got a few episodes banked at this point, and uh, I want to I want to wait like a month mm. before I. We, we we do it in this kind of situation because if I do it, I mean, I'm, I'm probably going to feel all revved up and ready to go on fucking Saturday, mm. but the, 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 then they'll be new and I'm, I'm, I'm probably just, you know, I, I don't think I'll be able to have a, mm. a proper internalization. Uh, sort of a, yeah, I, I need time to sort of figure out what I actually think about it. Uh, and so we're probably going to wait a month and we'll, we'll do the ones that would have come up. Naturally, well, I think I think we should do give them. You know, I don't, maybe one of them needs to be a, a you know solo episode. Yeah, uh, because I don't think we should do them all. Now we got the we got one. three songs. We got uh, Days of Future Past. We have uh, Darkest Hour. Darkest That's Hour. That's uh, probably one episode, and I think me and Eric are going to do that alone to kind of keep it simple. Probably. And then my idea was to do Death of the Celts with you actually. Oh, the Celt, you know. <laughs> so that's my yeah, idea. Well, and yeah, that's the only to. three songs, yeah. and then we're back in schedule again, so we can do the rest in in the normal schedule. The next one after that is going to be Hell on Earth. Uh, on and I'd be like, when Seafarers was saying death to the Celts, did you really think he meant an internal death in his own personality? Why do we know? Why do we know? <laughs> we have plenty to discuss in this episode. Yeah. So, so uh, is it on the list? Uh, for the, yes, of course, Fear of the Dark is on the list. It is, right. Uh, I'm not yeah. sure if it's in my top 50, but obviously it's got to go on the list, right? I'm putting it on there. Uh, How do you feel? I'm assuming you... you yeah, what do you think, Fergal? Is it on the top 50 level? Yes, yeah, sir. I have listened to certain episodes and I'm aware of what you're talking about. Um, yes, uh, I would definitely say, without a shadow of a doubt, Fear of the Dark is in the top 50 Iron Maiden songs of all time. Yeah. Mm. Boom. It's on the list. It has a lot uh, of merit just by being so big as well. Unifying. I don't know how it couldn't even be in the top twenty, to be honest. I mean, yeah. I mean, well, well yeah. It, I, it's yeah, there's agreed. agreed. Yeah, we'll get to it. I guess we'll get to it. But I think it's going to stay. It's likely to stay, and it's, it's like the only real anthem of the nineties, isn't it? Like, what's what would be the other anthems? I was, I was actually going to say that. Do you think this is the only anthem of the non-Adrian Smith era? Yes. I you think know what? So, I was yeah. thinking the same thing. Uh, like Clansman, also this and Clansman, but. But does that count? Because it was really only played on three tours. And one of them was the tour of the album that it was released on, which, sorry, four. Uh, one of them was four. the tour of the album it was released on. One of them was a reunion tour of Bruce. One of them was the pretty much a continuation of that tour, which is Brave New World. And one of them was like, oh, it's nostalgic. It's 20 years old. But like, it didn't survive that interim period of 20 years. Well, it, it did. It did. Um... Oh, sorry. Give me a till I'm dead. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Right. So it wasn't played between 20, 2003 and, and 2018, let's say. Yep. Um, That's insane. I mean, uh, an, anthem, an anthem should be played at least once or twice during those seven or eight tours. My answer is yeah, this yeah, is yeah, the I'm anthem of the 90s. It's clearly the anthem. Then uh, as a follow up question, is it my favorite of the 90s? Not really. That would be probably Sign of the Cross or maybe even I like Clansman more than this song. But speaking anthem, yes, this is the one. And this is the one song they really feature from the 90s. And if you look at Bruce 90s, it's the only one. Bruce 90s mm-hmm. has been very poorly featured 
Uh, Isn't that crazy? Like, like I mean, I know there's only it. two albums, but like, bring your daughter in 03 That's it. I'd like, I'd like to hear Public Anime number one someday. Like, yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear that. Me like, too. Um, I mean, also, I was kind of hoping. I'd love to hear. I mean, me and Hendrik have often talked about Tail Down. It would be amazing. Yeah. Not a big fan of that song personally, but no. um, I mean, I mean, like if it, if, like, it, if it came up on a show, I'd pop. I'd be like, ah, Tail Gunner, brilliant. Be quicker, be dead. Be fun. Yeah, quicker, be, be cool. dead. Yeah, it's a good song. Um, they even, should feature there more. They should, but I also understand in a way that Fear of the Dark is what they brought out of this because it wasn't the brightest yeah. area of the band. You know, it just wasn't. You know, they were going down and they were like hitting this. Uh, what did we call it? Identity crisis type thing. Like, are we going to be more Guns mm-hmm. N' Roses, more ACDC? How are we going to cope with the onslaught of the nineties? Because mm-hmm. you know, Maiden is a yeah. fairly eighties band at that point. You know, it's like very eighties, and then nineties comes along like a sledgehammer on top of them like what are we gonna do like how we're we gonna tackle this sometimes i think it's a miracle that they got out of that at all like it's i know yeah. bruce returned and adrian returned and all but i was like by god they they've really really come out of that period yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's some there's tons of bands who never do who, exactly who yeah make it up. like but look at somebody like skid row or somebody like that right, like, i mean right. they're yeah. just fly, floundering now like they're just like they're nothing they're just playing small clubs and fucking bumfuck nowhere like and yeah like they were massive they were playing the same stage as guns and roses were playing in early 90s and they're just gone i I think i think also that if you had a version of things where adrian and uh and bruce didn't leave uh and they just kept going i don't know that they'd be around anymore. no i don't think so either i think that was a a, like an adrenaline shot and it was like it, it was the perfect time it was like new metal was coming through it was like all this type of stuff and it was like oh old metal and all these bands reference all these old bands blah 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 it was like it was the perfect storm of heavy metal and rock and it was just like the perfect time for it and then bruce and adrian decided to come back and it was like couldn't have been any like he couldn't have written it better no, exactly. Line. And yeah. I think uh, to add to that, maybe not really a hot take at this point. I think a lot of people like the Blaze era, but I think the Blaze era was more mean? important than the late Bruce first run era. So, No Pray for the Dying and Fear of the Dark to me are less important than Virtual Eleven and X Factor. I think Virtual Eleven and X Factor did more to keep Maiden on track than those two albums prior. I'd say so, yeah. But also that the X Factor and Virtual Eleven songwriting style informed the rest of their career, whereas No Prayer for the Dying and Fear of the Dark, the songwriting style in those albums has been thrown in the bin and forgotten about. Yep, and not celebrated live again. That's kind of how we wound up in this discussion in the first place. Like They yeah. don't feature this era live except for the song, which is the song of the matter today, Fear of the Dark. Correct. Yeah, yeah we could wrap it up. We could say that important song, a big song. Uh, as I was preparing for yeah. the episode, I realized that this song is monumental, though. It doesn't matter if it's like you don't need to hear it again or you've heard it enough. It's always in the set, but it's a monumental track. And it's unparalleled mm. as well. There are no other tracks, really, from any band. Maybe Sisters of Mercy, then, with the Temple of Love. But other <laughs> than that, really, it kind of stands its own ground, and it's like a an entity, I would say. The song is an entity of itself. Definitely. Mm. Anyway, new album coming out today for you listeners is third of September. Uh, so you guys, you guys, it, it's here. I, I, yeah. yeah, you're not gonna hear us speaking in three weeks uh, from now or two weeks from now. We're gonna be all oblivious for the next coming episodes because they are banked. So it's gonna be a while until uh, you listeners get to hear our reactions in any way, shape, or form. 
including like proper uh, going through songs. So uh, we're kind of stopping in time now and taking our time to listen. I can say it's it's been really fun. Uh, this rollout of this album, I, I don't necessarily how I know it would have been if we didn't have this pod, but just having this pod and sort of do, when when this sort of you know new album hype is going on has made it you know it's been really exciting. So I you know so this this is yeah. a, a good really good yeah, feedback I, as well on the Stratego episode with you, Fergal. Uh, people oh, like yeah. that, and that was thrown in in last seconds. I guess people like it when we just take oh, things yeah. on volley. I guess. Well, look, look, it's been very enjoyable for me as well. Like, like I'm catching up with your old episodes, but I've listened to all the current ones as they come out. Kind of like what I used to do with like other podcasts that I got into late and then went back to. But like, yeah, following the progression of the album and being involved as a as a participant has been very interesting. And, and for, for somebody who's already hyped to the max, it's hyped me even. Uh, it's killing me. It's killing me. The anticipation is killing me. Like every other thought I have in my normal day to day life when I'm working or when I'm doing other things, every other thought is like Samurai Eddie coming in in my mind's eye and laughing at me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you said that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm absolutely stuck in this. You know, I, if the album yeah. was not to be released now, I, I don't know what I would do. It has to be released. Yeah. Yeah. So until then, or until next time. Until then. Up the irons and quite literally school from the north. School <laughs> from the north. <laughs> Thank you. Are we leaving uh, the quite literally bit in? Because if, if we don't, a few jokes would be lost. That, that's fine. I think a lot of stuff I say is lost right. in many ways. <laughs>cool effect going on on your uh, webcam there is like a I've no idea yeah, you're looking, what that is you're, you're looking very VCR uh, filter or Blair Witch Project or something I don't know it's or, or, or like or like a music video from like 2006 96, <laughs> <maybe>. <laughs> oh I did have 2006 music video on it hold on a sec there okay. <laughs>